It's Loathsome Things, a horror movie podcast brought to you by the fine folks over at Brand Name with your hosts, John and Josh. John, how are you on this fine, fully vitalized masculinity day? I'm doing well. I don't know, is that? <laughs> I don't know. Brother. I don't know. Brother. And yourself. My bones hurt. Oh, shit. Oh, I'm good. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> We're good at this. We're so good. We're professionals. We've <laughs> been doing this for long enough that this is how good we are. <laughs> We're we're sm- we're smoothly and comfortably within the top one hundred and fifty in Taiwan. Oh yeah, we did peak in the top fifty. Apparently, at some point, we were number forty nine in Taiwan. There are only forty eight other movie review podcasts who are more popular than ours. <laughs> I feel like probably our popularity in Taiwan is derived of one guy that, like, makes his friends listen to us because he thinks it's funny how confused his friends get. You need to listen to this. (laughs) And we just dropped off the chart. Okay, there we go. All all of Asia and California no longer listening. Oh... Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, let's see. Uh, today, hmm. we are going to be covering Jeremy Gillespie and Stephen Kostansky's 2016 semi-crowdfunded uh, uh, practical effects spectacular, Da Void. Da Void. It's so good. Yeah, it's really good. This is third Canadian movie in a row, if you count... The last one, which was an Australian movie, but directed by a Canadian, so... Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, Canada has... Uh, it really, if you if you kind of look into it, Canada has a lot of really cool horror stuff. Uh, besides just the Cronenbergies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, this one, this one has... I wouldn't say this is very Cronenbergian, but, but it's got, you know... It's got some body horror elements. It's really way more John Carpentarian than Cronenbergian. <laughs> that's true. It does. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's 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 true. It's got a. It's got an interesting yeah. cast of Canadianians. Canadians. Yeah, Canada from Canada. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Kostansky is an art department guy. He uh, he recently he works on things like The Expanse, the movie It, and the TV series Da Boys. Nice. Uh, Gillespie is has more directorial credits, but he's really more of a like makeup department guy. Ah. But he still has directed a lot of movies, including Manborg, Biocop, W is for Wish in the ABCs of Death Two. Oh, nice. Leprechaun uh, Returns and Psycho Gorman. Yep. Uh, This is part of the, what is it, Astron 6 or something like that? Yeah, I don't know. That I don't know. Okay, yeah. It's, it was, they're, they're a comedy horror Canadian collective of filmmakers. Cool. And uh, this was like the one that broke out of the mold and was not as much of a comedy. Yeah, I was going to say, this movie is fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's got one really good spit take comedy moment. But yeah, uh, yeah. other than that, it's pretty straightforward. As it, it is, it, I don't know about straightforward. I just keep talking in a row. That's good. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so this movie was funded in the normal way. It had, you know, like a studio behind it, but they wanted more money for practical effects because they're a couple of cool dudes. Mm-hmm. So they crowdfunded practical effects on Indiegogo and raised eighty-two and a half thousand dollars, which is why we got such cool shit out of here. Yeah, the effects are phenomenal. Yeah, I, I don't understand how they were able to do this on eighty-two thousand dollars. Like they. Not only are the effects really good, but there's a lot of them. Like, yeah, this movie skips to it. I mean, the, the and then the movie's shot in a uh, in an old school that was eventually torn down after the movie was shot. But they nice. they they put a lot of effort into making it look like a hospital. I mean, they must have spent some bucks just doing that alone. 
you know. Yeah. Just, just building that big-ass hospital sign, like the emergency room exit entrance sign. I mean, that stuff costs money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, they put a lot of effort into this movie. And here, I've got a quote from, uh, from Jeremy Gillespie. He said, quote, Every single thing was the biggest challenge. It was a soul-crushing nightmare. Everybody was pushed to the limit on this movie. The one ray of hope we got was the cast, which came together at the last second. They were easy to deal with. I mean, they got a lot of pros in that cast, to, you know, like people with a lot of experience, some of them with a ton of experience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everybody did a great job. And it's one of the things that's so great about this movie is that it, it just feels like it's like it's done well from beginning to end. You know, it just... You know, you can tell they didn't spend a massive amount of money making it, but it just, everything's done, you know, tastefully, like done in the way that it takes you on this ridiculous ride and, you know, nothing feels like, oh, we're just going to have to do it this way because we didn't have enough money to do it the other way. You know, it never, never feels like that. It feels, you know, like it just, it works as a whole piece. It's, it's, it's a really great movie. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is. There are. There are times at which you can see the budget, like like yeah. there are there are shots which they purposefully like put out of frame because right. they didn't have the budget to do like that additional practical effect. Mm-hmm. But that's even then, like you you you'll it a lot of that's at the beginning of the movie, and then towards the end, it's just constant. Like it's incredible. This movie is really amazing. It's it's cheesy. The uh, the dialogue is at time just laughably b- bad, but I mean that's also the kind of movie they were trying to make. Like there are so many bad one liner scenes in here that are just very John Carpentery, <laughs> but I love it. Yeah. I love this movie. Yeah, it's great schlock for sure. I mean it's uh, yeah, it's it's so much fun to watch, and it it. You can watch this movie. I mean, I've seen this movie so many times. You can just watch it over and over, and it, it's entertaining every time. Oh, yeah. We we were talking about this movie, like, years before we ever talked about making a podcast. That's true. We did. Yeah, yeah we were both huge fans of this movie from the start. Yeah. It's, it's pretty neat. Yeah. <laughs> uh. uh. All right, it stars Aaron Poole, who is most famous to this podcast for pay- playing the bone flute guy in The Empty Man. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, it was great seeing him again. I was like, yeah, that is him. Sure enough. Great. I know. It's crazy. I was like, wow, he's the sleazy cop in the void. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that hair. That hair is constantly, like, messing with it. <laughs> Fuck that cop. <laughs> <laughs> He is a douche. Uh, there's also Kenneth Welsh, who is most famous uh, probably for playing Wyndham Earl on Twin Peaks. Yeah. Um, so cool. Got Ellen Wong, most famously from Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Also Glow and The Carrie Diaries. And my personal favorite, Dark Matter. We get a guest appearance from Art Hindle, uh, mm-hmm. who played Chris in the original Black Christmas and Ted in Porky's and Frank in The Brood. The Brood. That's it's so cool to see him. So fucking cool. That, uh, the junkie guy in this, too, he, like, he often plays a junkie in movies, which, like, that has to feel nice. <laughs> He's typecast as a junkie. Yeah, they're like, hey, we've got a part you for you. It's not a junkie, is it? Well, yeah. It kind of is. Yeah. <laughs> but he's got a heart of gold. Yeah. Uh, so uh, a big part of the way that this project came together is that uh, Gillespie and Kostansky were working on the first Suicide Squad movie. You know, that wretched mm. abortion of a music video. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And uh, that's what like they were working on. Get, they were getting ready to do this movie when they were working on that. So they went ahead and just grabbed a bunch of the special effects people from that movie and got them to be the, the crew of this movie. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So. One awesome thing came out of that horrible Suicide Squad movie. <laughs> that turd of a film. <laughs> they were like, let's remake it. Get rid of everyone except for Harley Quinn. All right, here we go. An, an acceptable movie. <laughs> that's right. A passable movie. So, yeah, that's uh, we're, we're going into it. This is uh, 
one of the movies that we often refer to as not John Carpenter's The Thing, um, along with The Thing from Another Planet, the prequel The Thing that was not John Carpenter. Uh, what's the other one? Um, uh, something Down? Yeah, Watership Down. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Piper Down. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Uh, We're good at yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. Some frozen shit and then something is down. Yes. Harbinger. <laughs> Harbinger down. That's there it, it is. Hey. That's it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. John, uh before we uh move into it, would you recommend that people watch this movie? Oh, for sure. Over yeah. and over again. Because yeah. it's it's a lot of fun. It's it's yeah, it's just straight up horror fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not filmmaking at its apex but it is like horror movie greatness oh yeah yeah it, it it doesn't let up and it's you know it's only 90 minutes long they don't they don't try to turn it into some two and a half hour epic or any of that bullshit they just yeah. keep it nice and sweet nice all right so go watch it then listen to us ruin the whole thing oh man because it's gonna be good so anyways uh we see this house uh, with a big black triangle on the door, a dude bolts out the door, and uh, he's followed by a screaming lady who is immediately shot while the other guy bolts off into the woods. Uh, the the there's two dudes come out. Uh, the you know the guy with the gun that shoots her, and then there's the smaller dude. The big guy says uh, he won't get far, and then they they pour gasoline all over the lady and torch her, um, which is awesome. And then we see that there is a robed person, a be-robed person with a black triangle over their face, watching from the woods, just kind of standing there, looking all creepy. And uh, that takes us into some indie rock creepy credits. <laughs> and uh, the movie does it really has that nice, like, kind of yawning chasm void sound that carries through most of the film, just that. It's really awesome. (laughs) It's really good. Um, So then we see this uh, cop, the douchey cop with the hair. Um, He's in his car. At first I was like, why is he wearing a leather, like, bomber jacket? What kind of cop is... And then I realized he had a uniform underneath. But he's doing his stupid, like, you know, radio flirting with the girl back at the station. Or, (laughs) now you. And then... um, (laughs) As he's yeah. sitting in his car, he sees he sees the missing dude now crawling into the street, uh, not doing so great. So he he quickly shifts into cop gear and uh, picks the guy up. Ends up having to take him to what is called Marsh Hospital, which uh, had suffered a terrible fire and was going to was in the process of closing. Was still technically open, but they're in the process of closing so they can move to a new location. So anyways, he takes him there, and uh, as soon as we get there, it's like, yeah, this place is not good. Mm-mm. And uh, there's a girl in the in the front lobby who's in labor with her, her grandfather's there with her, and, uh, you know, it's just kind of hectic as soon as the guy shows up. Uh, the power flips, flick, flickers on and off while they're there. Um, the patient uh, basically just flips his fucking shit until they're able to get some drugs into him. Uh, turns out he's a junkie because he's got needle marks all over his arm. Great. We we see this. We meet Allison, the nurse, and we realize that she has a relationship with Daniel. Uh, turns out that they're married, but they're no longer together because he mentions that she's his wife at some point. Yeah. But but uh, anyways, yeah, they're they're no longer together, and uh, you you know you realize that that she had lost a baby. And that's obviously, you know, contributed to the demise of their relationship. So great. That's that's always good. Good person to be around during an emergency. <laughs> um, uh, Daniel the cop finds. Uh, well, we there's this guy that we meet. He's like talking to Kim, one of the this like nurse in training, I guess she is, and she's just asking him all this dumb shit. Like, I gave you a catheter, and. Um, <laughs> Then she leaves, and Daniel walks into the room. He hears, like, moaning and stuff coming from the room where this guy had just been talking to the to Kim, the nurse, it, nursist. And uh, he walks in, and there's this weird lady, like, with her ner- a nurse with her back to him. And you see up close, she's pulling 
a pair of scissors out of the dude's eye socket. And then she, like, turns around and she's all, all bloody and, like, disgusting and comes after him. And, of course, he has to shoot her <laughs> to, to get her to stop. And it's really creepy. Yeah, she's um, been she's been using the scissors to cut the skin off of her own face. It's fucking yeah. awesome. It's just great. This movie and, does uh, not waste time. No, and he freaks the fuck out and goes into the bathroom and barfs and immediately has some sort of trippy moment while he's looking at himself in the mirror. So something is already affecting him. Uh, we cut to a shot of a barren, rocky landscape with, uh, like, weird dark clouds floating around and very, you know, kind of, like, hellraisery looking. Um, and then uh, we see a quick shot of, like, some weird stretchy red rubbery flesh gore with, like, holes and puncture wounds and stuff. It's being all stretched in different directions. It's really disgusting and great. Yes. Uh, Daniel wakes up on the floor and the doctor's there and Allison. Everybody's worried. You know, oh, we gotta get him up. And then they uh, they tell him that the trooper has arrived. And so, you know, that's it's gonna save the day, of course. Um, they talk about how the junkie had been covered in blood, but it was somebody else's blood. And the trooper uh, r- tells them about how there had been a bloodbath somewhere up the road. And uh, they decide that they need to make a call. They need to call it in for... For whatever reason, Daniel is insistent that he wants to make the call, which is kind of a weird, like, okay, whatever. So he can't get the phones to work and anywhere in the hospital, so he decides he's going to go out to his patrol car to call in the killing. Uh, His radio doesn't work either. But while he's out there, he sees one of the robed dudes, and uh, then the power goes out in the hospital, and he's all like, hey, what are you doing? What the hell's going on? And then the robed guy completely, like, just comes at him really fast it's pretty disturbing yeah um and very reminiscent of a scene in um, another movie that i won't give away because we might do that movie one day Ooh. but um yeah anyways and uh so yeah that's awesome he gets stabbed but not quite like to the hilt stab but still pretty stabbed he gets a poke <laughs> yeah he gets a nice poke uh suddenly there's robes aplenty there's like rows of robed guys uh, Daniel gets inside. He's able to step, you know, stump, stumble inside. Um, the the stabby nurse is now like has now turned into the thing, basically. Like with the you see her like you see her back in the room, and the little tendril things are coming out of her <laughs> eye sockets. And, yeah, doing that. <laughs> it's, it's so good. It's so amazing. Um, Daniel is is he's pretty messed up, but. Uh, Anyways, he's, he, you know, he comes back to, because at first it looked like he was probably going to die or something. And, you know, they're all freaking out. You know, we got to get him, blah, blah, whatever. He wakes up again. And uh, in the meantime, there's like buttloads of robes outside. Just, it's like a robathon. <laughs> and they uh, decide that, or he decides that they need to barricade the doors and get help. Yep. Yeah, and uh, so, so yeah, Bev has turned into the betentacled monster, and it turned out that they had locked the junkie up to the the hospital mm. bed that her, she was transforming behind. So they have to go in there, they have to get him out of there, they lock her in the room, and just as they're coming back out of that room, the the duo of girl burners from the beginning of the movie show up and are pointing guns at everyone. And at this exact same moment, the junkie grabs a scalpel, the pregnant girl, and is now holding her hostage. And there's this great shot of Aaron Poole realizing that both things are happening at the same time. And he's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> um... Uh, so, oh, and part of this is that the, the state trooper had to take his gun away because he killed a nurse and, and that he, the, the state troopers like, you know, your father was a really good cop. What would he think about all this? It doesn't really matter. No. The junkie ends up stabbing Dr. Powell to death. Uh, and then grandpa comes along and just knocks him straight out. 
Um, lots of one-liners are delivered in here. Just then, Nurse Monster nabs the state trooper, drags him away, and fills him his body in with her hair tentacles. And mm-hmm. then the uh, the duo plus Daniel get to chopping with the axes and and shooting lumps off of her body with the gun. It's really good. <laughs> it's so cool. Lots of <laughs> yeah, yeah, like like just weird like sheaves of of speckled flesh sliding over lumpy nonsense slime. It's real good. They end up having to chop the state trooper's head off to get the whole mound to stop quivering. Um, so good, really good. Yeah. Like, and it's just the beginning. You're like, wow, they must have spent their entire practical effects budget on this. And then it's like, oh no, they didn't. <laughs> There's more to come. Daniel and the duo decide to go get the gun from his squad car, which has now rolled all the way away to the tree line. Uh, while they're out doing this, Allison realizes that she needs to get supplies for to save the pregnant girl, which she has to go into like the burnt part of the burned out, closed down part of the hospital. While she's there, she gets nabbed by uh, Dr. Powell, who we all thought Whoa. was dead. Um, <laughs> the Triangle KKK is now co- entirely surrounding the building. Uh, the phone rings. Daniel answers it. It's Dr. Powell. He says cryptic things about how cool Daniel is and how he's going to help everyone and how he's what he's doing is altruistic. They hang up the phone. They're Polaroids of creepy nonsense. And then they develop the plan, which is we're going into the burnt out basement to look for Allison. <laughs> yes, that's right. It's like, oh, what could possibly go wrong? So... Daniel and uh, the dudes uh, visit the junkie to get some answers. Um, they they cuff him. Uh, do they cuff him to the thing, or do they just hold his hand up to this pole? It's like bar, I the guess. The handrail, yeah. Yeah, there's like that handrail. That's right. And they're they're basically plying him for answers. And he, I mean, I guess he kind of knows some stuff, but they already know what he knows. I mean, he, yeah. he you know, they're they're threatening to bash his fingers in with a claw hammer, and he's like, you know. Okay, okay, the doctor, the doctor is, is is him. He's he's in on it or whatever. And they're like, we already know that, dude. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, wait, 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 wait. And like, he just, he keeps trying to save himself with all this garbage information and none of it works. And I thought that they bashed his finger, but I guess they were just trying to scare him. So they hooked the claw on the, on the handlebar thing. And uh, so he's useless, but then they're, they're like, okay. He finally tells them, that, you know, he was out looking for, he had heard there was this place where he could go to get some crystal. And uh, he shows up at this place and it's this weird, like, farmhouse where there's, like, you know, human sacrifice and roby guys and just all kinds of weird shit going on. And uh, they're like, oh, okay, wow. Well, I guess you're going to have to come with us to this nasty-ass basement and you go first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, God damn it. The, like... They treat that guy so bad throughout the movie, and the only thing he's done is be a junkie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, he did hold a scalpel up to a pregnant minor's neck, but, okay. you know, yeah. what are yeah. you going to do? That's true. That, that that was a little inappropriate. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, cut the guy some slack. He's had a rough day. <laughs> it's okay. It's getting much worse. Oh, man. <laughs> So they have him lead the way. They they get they're they're able to kind of communicate back and forth with Kim on the radio, and or was it yeah now Kim on the radio and uh, they like the radio's cutting out at places and stuff, and it's not a great connection. And then they they basically come across a stairway that shouldn't be there, <laughs> and you know, and they're like, um, well, we're probably just going to take this stairway. <laughs> She's like, that's not really. Probably not a good idea. Don't do uh, that one. <laughs> yeah, and then the radio cuts out, of course, and then they make yeah. Junkie... It's okay because, it, you know, again, they make Junkie go first. Um, and then we cut to Allison, who wakes up, and she's, like, on her back, lying on her back on, like, a medical table, and, you know, she's got those lights above her, that array of lights that looks like roasted garlic. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> she's she's in there and she, you know it turns out that the doctor is in there as well he's got his back to her and he's you know saying all kinds of weird shit and he gives her the some great lines like you'd be surprised the things you find when you go looking there it is yeah <laughs> it's so good <laughs> 
And then he talks a bunch of bullshit. You can see that he's... It would appear as though he's surgically removing parts of his body as he talks to her, uh, which is great. Uh, in the meantime, the gang finds themselves in this big, open, like, crappy-looking room that's very brightly lit red. This movie loves red and blue a lot. Yes. Um, mostly blue, some red. <laughs> <laughs> so they're in this weird, creepy room. Uh, someone says it smells like a cemetery, which I thought was like, I've been to cemeteries. They don't smell particularly unusual, but okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Back upstairs, Kim uh, decides that she's going to give some sort of drug to uh, Maggie to calm her because she's flipping her shit. Uh, because, I mean, we all know that something bad is going to happen there. It's pretty, yeah. pretty, uh, they're pretty much projecting that. But anyways, Kim's freaking out herself. So she drugs her and gets her to calm down a little bit. Now we're back to the dudes and the, you know, downstairs. And uh, we see that Daniel is having void visions um, while looking at this black triangle that's painted on a door in this area that isn't supposed to be there. So he sees the triangle. It triggers him. Great. Um, what better idea than to enter the doorway? Uh, <laughs> back to Allison and Dr. Richard, who is talking about metamorphosis and uh, how he's been working on these transformations and that he's made some quote-unquote mistakes. <laughs> and those mistakes caused the fire and uh, <laughs> so he had, had some mishaps with his quote-unquote mistakes. Uh, then he starts giving Allison a bunch of crap, like taunting her basically about her baby's death and compares the death of his daughter to that and how he wants to bring his daughter back and all this crap. And then he's like, I can stop it. And then he's <laughs> like, more like nonsense. And then this line, the true resurrection, some, some good, some good pseudo religious, weird culty, uh, you know, reanimator type. Uh, it's, it's good. Uh, yeah, it's very good. <laughs> Dr. Herbert West type stuff. Uh, turns out that Allison is now creepy preggers. Um, she's got the like weird lumpy push pushing thing trying to get out pregnancy that movies love to have because it's disgusting and creepy. And then the gang, uh, they find themselves uh, in this room. They, they come across what I would describe as gory meat carnage. Yes. It's just like, like just carcasses hanging and laying on the ground and they're all like mutated and disgusting looking and everything's really gross and then back to maggie who's now bleeding from that region yeah. and uh you know is freaking out again and then uh okay so something really bad is going on upstairs back downstairs daniel hears weird baby shit yes <laughs> like really weird sounding uh and then all the the gory meat carnage basically comes to and starts, you know, attacking them in a nice, slow, creepy fashion. And it's really great. I mean, there's some... It's really great. There's some great creatures. There's, like, one that's basically just bashing his head over and over on a pole. And there's just this huge hole through its skull. And then it stops and, like... <sighs> Pulls off, turns, and looks at them. Oh, it's, and you can see them through the hole in its head. It's uh, so good. I call that guy the headbanger. Like, uh, yeah, it's every bit of meat on on the vector of him smashing his face into this sharp pole has already been removed, and so he's just doing it. So now, just the the donut of his head is just thunking meatily into the wall around the pole. It's so good. It's fantastic. I mean, that, that whole scene is, is just where all hell is broken loose, and it's it's just wonderful. I love it. Oh, man. Uh, back upstairs, Kim decides that she's going to do a C-section, and, you know, several times teases with getting the scalpel right up there, but she's just freaking out, that, freaking out too much. And then the, we hear the windows or the front doors the glass doors are all shattering so we know that the robes are getting in uh down in the basement is just complete pandemonium uh it's so great and really creepy yes uh, then back upstairs and ben is talking to kim and all of a sudden his throat is slashed and he falls to the ground and maggie's standing behind her she's now completely under like the doctor's thrall she's just like <laughs> she's all crazy and weird and and uh kim gets kim's kind of like 
Well, she leaves with a couple of the robes guys. They, like, head out, basically. So Kim runs away and goes and hides somewhere, like in some cabinet or something. Yeah, um, like a vent or something. It's weird. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. weird. And then, then the uh, back downstairs, the the mute guy uh, who has he's apparently mute because he has a bandage on his neck. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't get that. They were like, "Well, we can't afford to do a cut out tongue practical effect, so uh, yeah. he's got a bandage on his neck. Therefore, can't talk." <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. He's he's now fighting with uh, the other the big burly guy, and they're in some sort of like room in a house like it's it's there they're, i guess they're imagining it or they're being it's projected towards them or whatever and anyway so they have this this fight and uh mute guy lights a flare and basically stabs dad the he's a father but he stabs the dude in the gut with it and uh the character's called father i don't know it's weird anyways yeah he they're stabs, a father and son is that what yeah okay so he stabs yeah. his dad in the gut with it and uh then back upstairs we see kim in her little hiding place and she sees um there's a robe guy out there somewhere dragging an axe like yeah. through the hall just and she sees and pass by her line of sight a little bit just off in the distance it's it's a cool little shot uh, of course bathed in a red glow yes yes it's very red <laughs> up there at that point meanwhile downstairs daniel finally finds allison she's pregnant and they're having this touching moment where they're reunited until Dr. Powell's voice breaks in, ruins the spell, and Daniel sees that, in fact, she's given birth to an entire room full of writhing, pulsating grossness. There's just tentacles growing out of her and shit growing along the walls and along the floor. Everything's moving around and it's questionable as to whether or not she's alive. Oh yeah, Dr. Powell says, she's a mother. Isn't she beautiful? And you know, just to just to put a nice end to all of this, Daniel takes the uh, fireman's axe and, and gives his wife a good chopping to make sure that, that she doesn't have to uh, you know, Anyway, Live. yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's that great shot through the glass in the doorway, like kind of like semi-opaque glass, and you can just see the silhouette of him just hacking away at her corpse. It's amazing. And all throughout all of this, we've been getting stuff about how his and Daniel and Allison's relationship was ruined by her miscarriage. And then Dr. Powell's like, yeah, but your secret is that you were happy that she had a miscarriage. And it's that's like, right. Ooh, what are we playing with here, guy? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it was a little deep. <laughs> we see Dr. Powell back downstairs. He's giving a whole speech about stuff, and, and we, we see him, and he is now, instead of a dude, he's like a cool Ripley Power Rangers-level gooey monster. Yeah. Uh, very Psycho Gorman-looking. Yeah, very, very Stranger Things gore, like, season last one, whatever. Yeah, lots of shiny chest Play-Doh. It's good. It's very good. Yeah. Uh, and then back upstairs, the or no, it's still downstairs. Yeah, the pregnant girl shows up and stabs Daniel from behind so that he can die and join Dr. Powell in the goodness. Uh, and then she gives birth. Her She also gets the, the pregnant belly bubbles and uh, gives birth to what I call an immensity of ickiness that uh, <laughs> yes. explodes out of her stomach. She starts panicking at the last minute, and uh, she's dead now, and the huge monster baby that she's given birth to is dragging her dead body around behind her by the umbilical cord. The duo shows up at this point. They're here to do damage. They get into a fight with the, with the baby, and the father gets all entangled with the ickiness's tentacles. So the son sets them both on fire and then makes his escape. He's like, yeah, fuck this. Um, <laughs> Powell is still talking now. He's talking about the infinite astral gates. Uh, Daniel then shoves them both into a triangle that has appeared in the wall uh, it is it is just light pouring in from the other side. He pushes them both through it. They disappear on the other side. The wall closes up as they move through. Um, and then the entire hospital 
sub-basement that they're in begins collapsing around them. The sun is running from the immense ickiness, which gets squished by the walls closing in. He finds the nursing student upstairs. They hug it out. Then we pan to a shot of Daniel and Allison, who are grasping hands. They are reunited, finally. And we see that they are, in fact, on some sort of strange dimension with mass a massive triangle hovering overhead. The end is now. Yeah, it's a the ending's a little bit um, because I yeah. I know that, <clears throat> and of course I've read that you know, I mean it's obvious anyway that the triangle was meant to be open for interpretation. But I mean the movie's called the Void, and they they end up in some sort of void, which is clearly an alternate dimension of whatever sort you want it to be. I, my assumption would be that the place is evil. But they don't seem too concerned about it when they're there. They're holding hands. They're they're bloody, but they're restored, more or less. I mean, he's been stabbed like 800 times throughout the movie. Yeah. She, she, I mean, he hacked her into chunks, like, into paste. So, you know, yeah. so whatever, whatever has happened now, they are now some semblance of their former selves, holding hands and looking at this this pyramid thing. So it's, I don't know, it's going to be interesting for us to try and interpret what that was. It was... It's really good. It's very, um, like, uh, the, the, the landscape has these weird jagged bits. It, if you read the, the description in the Call of Cthulhu in the original, like, text, you know, he talks about the weird geometry that doesn't make mm-hmm. sense. It, it gives very much that. So, yeah, this movie is very much, very Lovecraftian, and it's kind of a marriage of John Carpenter and Clive Barker elements. Like, all, yeah. all all of those smushed together in a really good cosmic horror. Like, it's fucking good. It's very good. It's well done. It's super entertaining. It's disgusting. Yeah. Uh, it's a blast, man. It's, it's, it's the movie that a lot of horror fans had been wanting to see for a long time. And, uh, you know, I mean, the thing, the thing really set that up and you still can't, I mean, no one, I don't think anybody's ever going to be able to outdo the effects from the thing. Cause they are, they are the just beautiful. They're yeah. just beautiful. Um, but you know, there's some cool shit in this movie and, uh, for 82,000 bucks that they raised, you know, through their crowdfunding and then whatever they got on top of that, I imagine a few million, I'm guessing. Oh yeah. I hope. I hope. But <laughs> I mean, for God's sake, I mean, that, that movie looks, it looks amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you can see there are times where you can see that they had like budget constraints, you know, they had, sure. to, they, they couldn't show the whole thing happened. The, the lighting had to be dimmed. There's lots of strobe effects in here because it, it helps make it, it's darker. That's fine. They did a great job. Like, ugh. yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like they went through hell doing it. <laughs> I can imagine. I mean, it. Yeah, I mean, they, even they said they just came right out and said it was hellish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this sucked, you guys. <laughs> you better fucking like this movie. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, this is this is if you were going to make a movie specifically for both of us, this is pretty much that that movie. This is right up the loathsome things alley. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to hear a lot of complaining out of us. Um, this. You know, th- th- this is one of those movies that scratches an itch. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, thank you for making this movie that I've been wanting to see. Yes, <laughs> all of the more of these, please. Uh, I don't know about the Void Two exactly, but you know, more, yeah. please. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I mean, and uh, like all Lovecraft fans are always on the hunt for you know uh, good cosmic horror and. There's there's a lot of good cosmic horror fiction. There's not a lot of good cosmic horror movies, but there are some. There are and some, and this is definitely one of them. Yeah, and and it's all the better for not taking itself seriously. You know, this True. is this is a little bit more, almost a little bit basket case. It's not quite as like madcap as basket case, but it's a just a, a little t- hint of zany in there. That, so there it's is, not yeah. taking itself too seriously. Yeah, it has that kind of, a little bit of that kind of 80s, like I was mentioning, like, you know, Dr. Herbert West type reanimator craziness, like the crazy doctor, um, you know, the the 
just these ridiculous creatures that are, you know, just like weird, tumorous amalgamations of flesh and tentacles and tendrils and stuff that we've seen, you know, done before, but but done really well here. And I mean, this movie is just another argument for the the, the power of practical effects. Uh, CGI has its place for sure. And, oh, and, easily, yeah. And and I love I love a lot of movies that have CGI, and I don't. You know they've come a long way with it, where it's it doesn't look quite so CGI ish, mm-hmm. um, and you know good directors know how to use it in a way that you know it's CGI, but you don't care. It's it's that effective. Um, this movie doesn't really need it. I mean, the the computer generated effects are probably like obviously going to be like the landscapes and stuff, but those are more like almost like composite effects or you know highly treated shots of like actual landscapes maybe layered um yeah those could be like camera tricks more than than even cgi i mean there obviously is some in there yeah but but they you know they could have duplicated a lot of that stuff with practical effects too and um you know and then like the whole robes thing is fucking great it's oh, they so did a simple great job with that yeah yeah the triangle works so well it kind of looks like hazmat suits but but it's also definitely robes, so you get this weird, like, culty feel about it. I don't know, man. It, it just hit right. There, with those robe guys, there's that one scene where they all appear at the tree line, and they're, they mm-hmm. all, like, lift up their arm at the same time, and they're all, like, holding a knife pointed down at the exact same angle. It's like, oh, fuck, we're done. That's not okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, yeah, right. The people don't do those things. No, <laughs> Yeah, there's also, I will say this for the movie, is it, like, super rewards multiple viewings? Because um, there are lots of cool little details in here that you don't think to pay attention to on the first time through. At the very beginning of the movie, when he's talking to the dispatcher, and they're like, hey, we need you to, like, go to this place or whatever. He's like, well, what about all of the other three deputies that this town has? Like, none of them are responding they're just not responding. And he's like, oh, that's weird. Okay, I'll do it. And then he's like, all right, so I'm going to bring this guy into the hospital. Would you uh, would you radio ahead and let them know that I'm coming and let them know that it's me? And then when he gets here, you find out that the dispatcher has not, in fact, done that. And there's all of these other little elements where you're finding out that, like, the, the, the cult is closing in around them. And either those other deputies are some of those cult members or they're getting killed by the cult members. Probably the dispatcher got dispatched by the cult somewhere between him leaving for and arriving at the hospital. So good. Yeah. It's good writing. I mean, you're, you're creating, you're creating a scope without having to show anything. It's literally just words, putting ideas in your head and, and, your head, like your your image of this expands. Yeah, they're all trapped in this hospital, but with that, whatever the hell's going on is not just right here on this. Ho- it's converging on the hospital, but that whole area is fucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, there's even one little reference in there where the where the guy with the rifle is like, "Oh, the horns outside are calling them here." And up until that moment, we were like, "Oh, these horns are like a sound effect for our benefit," and then we're like, "Oh no, they're hearing these horns too." That's that's. Where is that coming from? It's got to be coming from the fucking sky triangle is blaring its horn and summoning things there. It's like, oh, shit, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that is really cool. And instead of like, yeah, like trying really hard to shoehorn, uh, you know, an effect that didn't work really well by showing you some sky triangle in the real world, they just don't even show it. They just imply that that this is a lot larger than, you know, anybody had originally anticipated. And it works. Yeah, it's it's. It's a great it's a great trick, really, because all movies have to do that. I mean, you can't show everything, you know, even if you had an unlimited budget, you go, you only have a certain amount of time. So you've got to leave certain things out so people talk about it. And then this movie just uses it so well. It's it's fucking great. I I love this movie. It's probably my favorite of the not John Carpenter's The Things. Like it's it's the top notch one. It's definitely my favorite for sure. I yeah. mean, I I've enjoyed uh I've enjoyed most of them, really. Oh I mean, yeah, I'm a sucker for that stuff as you as you are as well. And you know, we've even done what was that one that we did, which also was a Canadian movie, like early on. Oh. It was uh, some Black Mountain, a oh, Black Mountain, yeah, Black Mountainside. That was like a no budget, yeah, uh, take on this this kind of stuff, sort of in its own way. Uh, 
and it was good. They, they did a great job with it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, they created a cool atmosphere, and, you know, I mean, it was kept my kept my attention from beating it in. The deer was a little bit problematic. Well, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he right. might as well have been... Maybe if he was wearing pants, I would have been more comfortable with him standing upright. Oh, but then you run into the question of if a deer wore pants, would it wear it this way or this way or this way? <laughs> That's why they opted not to go with the pants. Like, maybe we just skip the pants. <laughs> oh, some prop guy somewhere has all these weird pants stored away. They're deer legs too, so they are the skinniest skinny jeans. <laughs> They're like, what are oh these God. for? <laughs> oh, well, he's gonna he's gonna like hook up with someone some one day like you know romantically, and they're they're gonna move in together, and one day that person will be going through his closet and be like, what are all these pants with this weird with this hair all over it? What? Are <laughs> Like sorry, Nick Shostakusky, or I don't remember his name, but that's Sh- right. Shostakusky was like, uh, "I need you to figure out how a deer would wear pants." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Where are my pants? <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Um, I wanted to point out that this movie's timing is different than what you would get in a normal movie, uh, like. Like, this movie gets to it way quicker. And, like, yeah. as a result, like, before I started watching it again for, for us to record, my memory of it was, like, the beginning of the movie. Like, I remembered the beginning of the movie and, like, little bits of the end. But, yeah, like, th- this movie gets get to, gets to the, like, one hour mark in the first 15 minutes. And, yeah. and, and then it just keeps going deeper and deeper and you don't get that most of the time. Most of the time you get that like first monster and it's like, oh my God, what is this? And this one just gets that over with. Oh, it's, it's fantastic. It doesn't super work great. Uh, like the story doesn't always hold together really well there. There, it wasn't written to be an excellent piece of storytelling. It was written right. to be a really cool horror movie. And they nailed that, yeah, for sure. But uh, but yeah, they're they're. I I love the fact that it gets to the good part quickly, and then the good part is forever. <laughs> I know. And then they yeah they just ride it out until the end. Yeah. 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 It's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. So so John, what did you rate this on a scale of zero to five loathsome things? Uh, I mean, I I wish I could give this movie a five. I. I I mean, I could, but I don't. I don't think it's quite up there with like the greats of the greats. But it's it's pretty damn close. And and in time, I, I you know it may become that. I hope it does. I, it's I know it's got its own following and stuff. But I I think this movie's less popular than it should be. I agree. Uh, because it would definitely appeal to a larger audience. I mean, you know, maybe not. Maybe it's not mainstream horror. You know, it might have worked as a mainstream horror in the eighties. It's very dark, so, you know, I don't know, but either way, but I would give it, I'm going to get pretty damn close anyway. I'm going to give it a 4.8. Wow, <laughs> nice. Yeah. And, and the only reason I'm backing off is just because a couple of the things like you had mentioned, the story is not quite there, but it's not enough to bother me. Uh, I just know that, you know, this is a movie that is flirting with, like, all-time greatness uh and it's just lacking something to put it over that that line but having said that it's there's nothing that i didn't enjoy about it uh there's just some things that i wish had been there that aren't uh but it doesn't really take away very much and so that's where i that's why i have such a high rating but not a perfect rating i don't know how about you yeah i ended up giving it a a flat four it's the things that it does, it does amazingly. Um, and obviously this is, this, this very much feels like a side project, you know, like, like it was, it was something that they, uh, like a passion project that they were also working on while doing their real job. So Mm -hmm. this was kind of like a side hustle movie. And 
and for what it was and for the hell they went through for it and for the budget constraints and all of this stuff like it is amazing but obviously there are some places where it where it you know it's not up there it's not up there with like saint maud and black christmas and or, or the thing itself yeah it is a step down so i i felt like four is fair maybe i should have actually ranked it higher because it is a loathsome things like how many loathsome things and this is pretty much like apex loathsome thing so i'm gonna go ahead and notch it up i i i think it deserves at least a 4.5 yeah i i like i like that reasoning i think because you're right i mean if you're looking at it as a loathsome thing, then I probably do have to give it a five because it, it really does notch all the boxes for us. It really does. Like, the thing is probably the ten. Like, the, the ultimate ten. For the thing we wouldn't even have to cover, although it would be a lot of fun to talk about, but we wouldn't have to because oh, yeah. I can tell you right now we're both going to give it a five. There's no... Oh, yeah. <laughs> We'd have to make a six just for that one, you know, because it just to make it stand above, but... Um, actually, I didn't like Kurt Russell's performance. <laughs> I mean, that, that movie is like, it's just modern horror perfection. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this, this, this movie definitely is a loathsome things movie. It's definitely a favorite for us, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just so fucking great. I mean, it, yeah. it really is one of the reasons why we even started doing this for, you know, it's, it's one of the things that we would talk about when we would talk about, you know, if we ever talked about movies, you know, this was a kind of movie that we would want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it was one of the ones that we referenced when we were talking about, you know, all right, well, what would we, you know, what types of movies would we talk about? What would the podcast even be like? This was one of the ones on both of our lists of, oh, yeah, that's one. And we've referenced it in a lot of episodes. Every time we talk about something else, we're like, oh, yeah, you know, like The Void. That's true. Oh, we should do that one yeah, day. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. That was definitely, it was always going to be one that we got to. And we didn't want to, you know, do it right out of the shoot because I think we both wanted to be a little bit more comfortable talking while recording and stuff. And, you know, I think it fits right in now with, with <laughs> we're obviously not going to get any better. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say, with so good we are at it now talking. <laughs> we just don't give a crap anymore. That's the difference. <laughs> Yeah, it's fine. This isn't going to get us fewer listeners. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, cool. So that is a 9.3 out of 10. I'm not positive, but I'm very positive, actually, that that puts it up in the top 10 of our our best greatest movies of all time according to loathsome things a horror movie podcast we've covered how many now is it over 50 was this the one that put it over this is our 51st if you don't count the episode we did covering 10 hellraiser movies right yeah right yeah <laughs> yeah good point yeah i guess there's that uh yeah so i mean considering that we're that many movies in and it's uh yeah it's still right up there with with because, I mean, there are some bangers in that we've done so far. Yeah. So one of the reasons, like, I was a little bit nervous about giving this a high score because I think this is going to knock The Empty Man out of the top ten. Interesting. And we really enjoyed that movie. It's I mean, fucking good. Yeah, I mean, but honestly, I like The Void more. I do, too. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, The Empty Man does have Steven Root, so... <laughs> yeah, it's really good, but... But it also has that weird crush on that teenage girl that yeah. likes a cigarette. Yeah, that's that's a little rough. Speaking of Stephen Root, my God, he's he. Have you seen Barry, the series Barry? I haven't. On HBO, it's it's like a Bill Hader, Bill Hader, the guy from SNL who you know does all the like goofy impressions and stuff. He plays a a hitman who's like really awkward as a hitman, and you know he goes out to L.A. to do a job and ends up like falling for some girl that goes to acting class. So then he joins acting class because he decides he wants to be an actor. And nice. all the crazy shit that happens. But Steven Root is like his, kind of like his boss. Like the guy that finds the work for him. And it, he's fucking genius on that show. That show is oh so good. God. It is so good. I'll have to watch that. That looks that looks really good. And I love Bill Hader. He's always hilarious. Oh, he's great. Steven Root is great. Henry Winkler is on that show. He is amazing oh, on that show. Yes. <laughs> There's this guy who plays a, a Chechen mobster named Noho Hank because he's from North Hollywood. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and he's always like, hello, Barry. <laughs> it's just, oh my God, it's so good. 
Uh, yeah, highly recommended. Have you seen Baskets? Yeah, I, I, I saw the at least the first season. I don't think I got further with Louis Anderson and. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was that was the entirety of my point was Louis Anderson as his mom is the most mom. genius thing I've ever seen in my life. It's so good. That show's really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I forgot about Baskets. Oh man. I, so I uh, got around to finally watching the Tom Papa stand-up comedy special that was directed by Rob Zombie. Mm, mm-hmm. And you can definitely see the Rob Zombie in it. The, the really? opening, yes. The opening credits is Tom Papa backstage getting ready to go on stage. And he is just surrounded by carnival people. <laughs> There's like a sad clown putting on makeup next to him and a... And like a sad old cracked out beauty queen just watching him while he's getting ready. And as he's walking through the corridors, there's like a, a guy with a with a puppet. There's a a fat woman that swallows swords and he has to pull the sword out of her throat. And just like all kinds of nonsense is going on. And then like Sherry Moon Fry has to like get a tap dancer off stage in order for Tom Papa to go on stage and do his routine. <laughs> My God. It's yeah. so meaningless. <laughs> yeah, there's no reason. He was like, hey, you know, it would be funny if Rob Zombie did nonsense at the beginning of my special. So I could just talk about how much I hate being a father for an hour. <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's so weird. Oh, man. Oh, I watched The Strays. That was disturbing. Uh- Fuck, dude! Isn't that awesome? Yeah, it's a hard. It's hard to watch. It's it's really yeah. uncomfortable, but it's very good. Yeah, it's very good. And that ending, like that, I've you don't get a lot of perfect endings like that. No, that that is a very confident ending. <laughs> yes. It's like you know what? This is how we're gonna end it, and fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jesus, I that was great. I had not heard anything about it. Like I've still to this day seen no hype about that movie. It's just very good. It is. It's really good. I highly recommend that for sure. Uh I was I was really surprised. Even after you had recommended it, I was still shocked. Like, wow, this movie's this movie pulls very few punches. It was Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, and then like it doesn't even like get hard until the very end and then you're like oh my god jesus dude that got real hard (laughs) my ribs hurt (laughs) yeah yeah that's it's good stuff yeah what about anything else have you seen anything else related to our topic and genre no i haven't really seen any other horror stuff i've been reading a lot so that's been taking most of my time free time anyway how about you my life has been disturbingly full of just random out of nowhere. I'm not looking for it. I'm I'm not going in search of it. Just wherever I am. Also, kangaroos are showing up. Just, <laughs> just, I, I went bowling for the first time in years the other day. And then on one of the lanes where it, no one was playing, it was just playing happy.tv. And there was just... It was just footage of baby kangaroos jumping around happily. And uh, another thing, there is like at my work, we were writing a thing about another place's office therapy pet is a baby kangaroo that they have in the office and hang out with. And then also Microsoft Windows decided that my uh, login screen every once in a while is going to just be a scenic photo of a kangaroo jumping across a desert at dusk. And I'm just like, (laughs) oh, fuck. (laughs) Wow, that's that's terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And all all the whole time, all I can think of is the the desiccated upper half of kangaroo corpses lying in the dust. I'm just like, oh, my God, why is life this? <laughs> I like the idea that you're like at the bowling alley and you look up on happy.tv and you see like a, a little baby roo and they zoom in on it and then it turns and looks at you with one tear going down. <laughs> like, Did anyone else see that? Yeah, it, it survived the kangaroo holocaust of 71. <laughs> kangaroo holocaust? 
Oh God! Oh wow! Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's a weird thing. That's a really weird co- coincidence to have kangaroos popping up everywhere. Everywhere. It's probably going to be for the rest of my life. Every time I see like happy kangaroo footage, I'll be like, oh. <laughs> it's like some weird transferal of guilt. <laughs> yes. Also, to all of you wondering, wallabies are way better. They are little, fat, fluffy kangaroos. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on the fuck kangaroos side now. Those guys <laughs> suck. Too soon? <laughs> I'm not transferring my guilt into anger. No. <laughs> fuck you, kangaroos. I hope you all die. Fuck you, ruse. <laughs> You're just a skinny, stupid wallaby. <laughs> Just a bouncy, really bouncy rabbit. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, get back to your lives, folks. Go watch good TVs. If you know of a movie that reminds you of John Carpenter's The Thing, and we haven't mentioned it as one of the movies that reminds us of John Carpenter's The Thing, let us know about it because we want to watch that movie. Um, that said, c- get tuned in. That's a saying, right? Get tuned in for April because we're going to have three episodes in April because of the way that calendars work. And so instead of doing it in October like we did last year, like two idiots, we're doing it in April. We're going to do three movies in a row, the original and then two remakes. But we're not going to tell you what it is unless uh, probably your name is Ramon. And I guess John talks to you on (laughs) Messenger. He had, he had asked me, he was like, you should tell, you should tell people what you're going to talk about next because then they can watch it before the episode as in himself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, should we, we could tell him, we could tell him yeah, what we're doing I, three of. I think it's a good idea. I mean, I guess we can always do the ca- caveat that, you know, uh, one of us loses a limb in a terrible car accident. Maybe the next episode won't be this, this, you know, oh. we might have to put one from the can in or something. A, a Rue documentary or something. <laughs> just just Josh crying, drinking, and watching kangaroo footage into the microphone. And then it skips around. But yeah, I, I, actually, it was, a, it was a really good point because it's like, who's going to stop the podcast and go watch a movie immediately? It would be they, it, when they could have two weeks to watch the fucking movie before the episode. That's a good point. Okay, you know what, Ramon? You're right. Let's go ahead and tell the nice folks. We are going to watch the original 1950-something Red Scare version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and then the awesome, awesome 1970s version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers with Donnie South himself. Yes! And, uh, uh... Jeff Goldblum yep. and probably a whole host of doppelganger other people. And then also the early nineties version that I haven't seen. I don't think John has even seen it. Uh, body think, snatchers from yeah, like I, 1994 or something. Yeah. I, I don't think I've seen it, but I've read that it's actually supposed to be pretty good. So the full familiarity I have with it is it used to like an edited version of it used to come on like TNT and I used to see uh, commercials for it and it looked really scary. Oh, cool. All right. Well, hopefully it is. (laughs) Yeah. So that's what we'll be doing in April. So go out there, watch those movies, study those Wikipedia pages and fill out your loathsome things bingo card to see if you could figure out the predictable things that John and I will say. (laughs) (laughs) And as always, I'm sorry you all have to die.